Hi, PCC. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yesterday, the first Saturday service, when I say hi, everybody was very silent with their hi. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you so much for giving me the privilege to take your pulpit. Uh, it's a very precious place because it's a place where your pastor preached the word of God. And I, I'm very blessed, me and my wife, our family are very blessed to have a uh, Pastor Isaac and Lydia and their family to be part of our extended family. Like he says, yeah, I stay in a small village called Uluklang and I didn't know that uh, Pastor Lydia's family was staying right in the first house. I was at the last house. They are number one. I was number 13. Okay, anyway, uh, so it was strange that our children later met in a place called Ozarks uh, in the U.S., I don't think some of you haven't even heard of that place, right? <laughs> anyway, let me first introduce uh, my family, okay? Uh, so from my far right, you see that beautiful young little boy. So he is the one that binds our family together. He's our first grandson, also Pastor Lydia and Pastor Isaac's first grandson. They have a second one now, Coffin, I'm sure you know. And uh, holding him is Joel, uh, Pastor Isaac Oni's son. Uh, very smart and good man. I'm so happy to have him as my son also. Uh, I, I'm sure he's so smart because of the parents, uh, right? Yeah, very good man and I, I'm, I'm very well brought up and I'm very... Uh, so actually, I, I'm very happy for you because you have uh, very good pastors in the church. Anyway, next to him is that beautiful girl, my first girl, Anna Yong. She's beautiful because she looks like my wife. And that's Veronica there. Can you just wave, say hello? Next to her is my youngest, Andrea. She's now doing her master's in uh, clinical counseling. So she's doing her master's in U.S., and next to, he, next to her is my son, Andy Yong, my only son. Just got married last year to the girl next to him, Stephanie. And of course, next to Stephanie is my wife, Veronica. That's me. And then holding uh, next to the little girl is my first granddaughter, Serena. My third child, third daughter, Angie. And the tall guy, David, okay, American. So two of my children married American. So I told my youngest girl, make sure you married Malaysian. <laughs> Balance up. Otherwise, you lose out to Trump. And I don't want to do that. Malaysia is good. Especially Penang, right? <coughs> yeah, and the youngest is uh, Ariana, our youngest child. Penang is really good. I, I love Penang. And Penang is a very, very special place in my heart. And uh, I told you I was staying in Ulu Klang, right? Right? Yeah. So one Sunday morning, uh, about 11, uh, 10, 10 something, a stranger came to Ulu Klang and I was walking up and down the street. I was 14 years old looking for friends to play cards means I was looking for people to gamble, one of the favorite pastimes of villages. So, and I couldn't find any of them, don't know where they went. You know, maybe they went and catch fish or catch spider and I missed them. So I was walking back, a stranger came and he stopped by 
and he asked me to go to church. So that was the uh, uh, memory I never forget. That man was stammering. He said, uh, excuse, "Excuse me, you 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 like to go to church?" You know, I still remember him very clearly. So anyway, I went to church. I liked the songs. I liked the people, and most of all, I liked the girls. So I continued to go because of that. So I keep going to church. I was listening but not hearing. Gospel was shared to me, but it comes in and all stolen away uh, because the Bible indeed says the devil come to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and that's what I believe happened to me. I was sitting there like you. I hope none of you uh, was like me then. Huh? So the gospel was preached to me, but I just, nothing go in. So anyway, I want to share with you one verse. Uh, can, can, uh, in fact, I have three live verses. This is the first one, okay? So, can all of you read with me? Okay. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your path or He will direct your path or He will make your path straight. Okay, so it depends on which version. Huh? So anyway... Uh, this was taught to me and this was one of the memory words when I was in the Sunday school. I never really understand what it meant. But later that year, same year, in December, I think it's December 18, I came to Penang with a group of people for a camp at Batu Fringi in a place called CCC. CCC is called Christian Convention Centre. Uh, I was in the Brethren Church. Okay, and that place is owned by the Brethren Church. Okay, so anyway, uh, I was there and I remember that night on the 18th December, after four days of camp, I had lots of fun, lots of teaching, but never go in. But that particular night, I believe because of some people praying for me, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, opened my eyes to see how much God loved me how much I'm loved, how much God showed His grace to me in this while I was still a sinner. Jesus came down to took my sin upon Himself and gave me His righteousness. So that day, I, I believe in Jesus. I received Jesus as my Savior. That day, I know what it means to trust in the Lord. Not Maybe not with all my heart. I, I know what it means to trust with, in the Lord. So this verse actually came into more understanding when I faced my first obstacle in life. My first obstacle in life is when my father passed away. I was form 5, 17 years old. So it was a big shock and because my father died of an accident. It was a big shock and it was devastating to me in a sense because my father used to tell me, he said, Alan, you study hard. I will do whatever I can to send you to study anywhere you want. Now, my father is quite successful uh, in, his, you know, in, in his own way. He's a contractor. He drives a Mercedes-Benz. You know, he managed to buy a house for my family. And also, he has a second wife, so a second family in Bantong. So, anyway, so I was you know, looking forward. Because among all the siblings, I'm the one that's doing the best in study. So, my father promised me to... But then when he died, you know, I, I 
of course, I cried a lot, and I also questioned a lot. But it was this verse that I hang on to. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. So anyway, uh, after my Form 5, I did quite okay. I went to Ta College and then my sister said, Alan, why don't you go and study in Taylor's College? Because Australia got free education. So my sister learned from a friend. So, you know, we don't know how I'm going to get over there because after my father passed away, uh, my sister had to be the breadwinner because before that, my father is the sole breadwinner. So, two of my sisters worked and my third sister also went out to work and my brother also went out to work. I'm the fifth child, so I was still studying. So, I studied and since... I'm, I'm, I, can, I'm, I did quite well in my study, so I went to Ta College, and then they, they supported me in Taylor's College. And come my first hurdle when they asked for financial interview. Financial interview is an interview where that, whereby they want to make sure you have money to stay in Australia, to live in Australia. Education was free then, no fees. So, but our family don't have anyone with an income tax and a bank account to show that we have money. So, no one can be my financial guarantor. My father's side are all pigs farmer. My mother's side are all vegetable farmer and laborer, okay? So, we are stuck. And my sister asked one of her friend's brother, who is so happened to be an accountant, you know, to see whether he can help. And this stranger who don't know me and who don't even know my sister well wrote a letter and gave us his bank statement. And I took that and I was, uh, so to say, given a place and given approval to study in Australia. So that was the first time I experienced what it means to trust God with all my heart and He will make my path straight. Wow. So... And there, I study and I pass and I got quite reasonable good result to be accepted to Monash University. While I was happy, yet we were still wondering whether I can go because uh, where to get money for me to stay in Australia because we just have enough to live, live by. So I think my mother sold some jewelry, my sister uh, maybe do, did the same thing, took out all their saving, bought me an air ticket, and then gathered together some thousand over ringgit, and they gave it to me. So make me a suit, and I wear my suit, full suit, and went to the airport with a whole village behind me. <laughs> yeah, at that time, going to airport is a very grand thing especially going to study overseas, even a grander thing. My auntie were there, my grandmother were there, my uncle were there, my relatives were there. Everyone was there to send me off to Australia. That time going to study university is a very big thing, you know. Like the Chinese say, uh, it's someone going to tok chong, chong yun, uh, <laughs> So anyway, today you throw a stone, graduate, throw a stone, graduate. So much so in Malaysia, I heard 100 over 1,000 graduate, no job. Don't know what kind of graduate. <laughs> anyway, coming back to the story. Now, in the airport, actually, while everyone was happy, I was very scared. You know why? Because I don't even know where I'm going to stay. Because I, 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 while 
I was given a form to apply to stay in the halls of residence. But it's so expensive. If I stay there two weeks, my thousand over ringgit, no more already. You know? So anyway, I didn't apply and I don't know where I'm going to stay. So the only thing I hang on to is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Say, God, I trust you. I don't know how. So when I was there, all my, uh, many of my college friends say, Hi, Alan. So you are going also? Yeah, yeah. Where are you going? I'm going Monash. You? Latrobe. You, Monash. Oh, good. Uh, where are you staying? Oh, I'm staying with my uncle's cousin. Uh, you? I'm staying in the halls of residence. You? Oh, everyone got somewhere to stay. Then I take skin. Uh, say, can, can I follow you? Uh, maybe? But I don't dare. Too proud. Didn't ask anyone. So in my heart, I say, maybe I just follow along at the last minute, say, hey, can I just sleep on the couch? Yeah, something like that. But then I met someone that I met in Penang, in the camp. And the fellas, his name is Adam, asked me, Alan, oh, you're going to Australia also? I say, yes. Where are you studying? Monash. Oh, I'm also studying in Monash. So where are you staying? I say, I don't know. And that's true. And then you know what he says? Wow, no problem. You can stay with me because I got a whole apartment to myself. My uncle and all his housemates came back to Malaysia for holiday and he asked me to stay in his apartment, take care of it for the next one, two weeks. Wow, sure, sure, sure. So I went to stay in his apartment. Wow. So that was a second experience I had when I found that, that God whom I trust is indeed dependable and trustable. So my dear brother and sister, I can tell you so many more stories about this. But I want to give you a next life verse that I had. Can, can all of you read together with me? Say, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man, mortal man, do to me? What can mere mortals do to me? Because in the version I remember, it's what can man do to me? Now, towards the end of my final year, I was challenged to go into full-time ministry. Actually, many years back in Penang, in another camp, I was challenged to go to full-time ministry. I remember I was one of the three people responded. Me, another guy called Tony, and a girl, I forgot her name. I don't know what happened to the girl. I know Tony still. He's still my friend. And sad to say, he dropped out of church. But three of us went forward. A missionary called Mr. Robert Tan, we call him Robert Tan, uh, challenges to go to full-time ministry. He is a, uh, a full-time evangelist from New Zealand, I still remember. And I was one of the three in Penang, CCC again, we responded. But when I went to Australia, my ambition is to make money to be like my father, better than him. He drive a Mercedes, I want to drive a better one. He, lived, he gave us a house, I want to live in a bigger one and a better one. So that was my ambition. And when I was challenged, I say, God, okay lah, you know, 
after I make some money, I will go and serve you. After I am successful, I will serve you. So I don't have to depend on people for money. That, that was what in, in my heart. But when I came back, I, I started to work for a while. There was no peace in my heart. So I said, God, okay, if you want me to do it, I will go and uh, think about it and pray about it. Maybe just an excuse. And I came to Penang. And to cut the story short, it was also in CCC. And in the morning devotion, this was what God spoke to me from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6 in my morning devotion. And God says, keep your life free from the love of money. Then I say, God, okay. Actually, in Australia, I already know how to make money. Uh, I was making money. I arranged my, my schedule, my study schedule. Uh, I only study three days and I have two days to work. Because Australia, you work five days. And even after the two days I work, I ask the supervisor, hey, can I come back on Saturday to clean up the rubbish or whatever stock? And he let me because I was hardworking. Lah, huh? So, and I work what I can, get as much as I can, save as much as I can, and I put it in the can, and I sit on my can. I went to Australia with 1,000 plus ringgit. I came back with 15,000 ringgit. Yes, it just shows how clever I am. I sit in the can so much so I have 15,000. I give to church, I do. Just give a little bit. You know, I don't know how much. I don't even you know. Sometimes back come, just give something. Nobody know what. And I don't really know what it is to give the first and to give the best. I don't really care. Because I only want to know that I have something in my can. Okay? Now, when I came back, I opened the can and suddenly the can become empty. So fast. I bought some presents for my parents and sister and then I buy myself a guitar I always wanted, buy myself a keyboard that I always wanted and I bought myself a second-hand car, then no more. So easy. Uh, easy come, easy go. But anyway, uh, but when I was in Penang, God spoke to me and I decided to say, God, yeah, I understand. I will keep my life free from the love of money. I will give you what I think at that time is my best. The time, you know, when everyone say, Alan, this is the prime of your life. I say, God, if I want to serve you, I will serve you during the prime of my life. So I went to full-time ministry. And I think uh, we went through a lot of struggle. And at this point, I'd like to invite my wife early to share with you uh, just one or two struggle with the face. So she gave me a break. Morning. It's, uh, it's really good to be here. Um, just, just before I share, I just want to uh, qualify by saying that, you know, it, everybody faces um, challenges in life and even full-time workers and your pastors. Uh, the difference is how, whether you know you have a God who is always going to be with you. And um, if we have to do it again, yeah, in a heartbeat, we'll do it again because no, no regrets um, doing God's work on a full-time basis. Um, so yeah, there were many, many challenges. And these challenges actually just prove how great our God was. You know, it gave us so much privilege to see Him working in action. Uh, yesterday, I shared two different things. Today, I'll share a third different one. 
Um, so we always had the pay from Scripture Union by the um, 27th or 28th of the month. It's, it's very consistent like clockwork because they have an accountant. He puts in uh, maybe, maybe a standard order. So, but that month, by the 25th, we had only literally one ringgit left in our pockets. We live in Ampang, the bank, Hong Kong bank those days, only one in Bukit Bintang. So you drive there, already no petrol, you drive there, and the money is not there yet, then worse, no petrol and no money. So, um, you know, also, just to let you know how, uh, why we didn't have any more money, uh, 11 years of working in, in full-time ministry, when we left, the pay never went over 2000 so it was, yeah, you know, um, pastors actually really depend on God's uh, provision for their lives. <laughs> well, so he got a prompting from the Holy Spirit, go, just go to the bank, try. So we went at night, put in a card, oh, the money came out on the 25th this month. So it's, it's really wonderful. Do you want me to share about um, the... Australian money. Okay. Give her a hand. <coughs> uh, anyway, she want to share an, another one. I mean, I, I look at the time. Uh, I want to do a bit more preaching. So, uh, we, we, if time permits, I'll share that experience. But, but actually, uh, not a standing order. The accountant will go to the bank to bank in our money. So, uh, yeah, that was really an experience that uh, when, when it happened to us, you know, each time when we face a challenge, I turn back to this verse. That's why I call them our life verse at that point of time. I say, God, you promised to be my helper. No more petrol already. You know, I got no more money already. So if I drive the Hong Kong bank, drive back, next day maybe I cannot drive the car anymore. So, but God said, go. Uh, then I went, I put in the car, I said, wow, the money came out. So I don't know why that month, the accountant went to bank in the money early. Other months, I go early, check, oh, no money, check, no money. So, so anyway, now, we, we, during our 11 years after I went into the ministry, I tell you that was the best uh, time of our life as a Christian couple because we experienced many challenges together, many obstacles together, but each of these obstacles, each of these challenges, there are many we have always found that God is true to His promises and word, that He is our helper, not just in time of need. And then, uh, let me tell you, uh, after 11 years, we have three children, and the fourth one is coming, I have no peace to travel around because when I was a youth worker, I travel around to preach the gospel, train the youth and so on. You know why? Because my wife was struggling at home with the three kids. So we prayed and God led us to do something very different. I, I, I went on to be an entertainer. I, I decided to be an entertainer. And to cut the story very short, I, I came out of full-time ministry, became an entertainer. My, somehow God continued to be my helper. You know, my first 
I, I actually I don't know where to get jobs. You know, we just went into faith. No time to tell you the details, but just went in by, by faith, trusting that God will be my helper still and trust the Lord with all my heart and don't lean on my own understanding. God, I don't know where to, but I just trust you. After the two hours, pray and conquer, this is what you should do. I we went. And the first month, we already earned a little bit more than my normal pay as a full-time worker. And the next month, more. The next month, more. The next month, more. Then I work more and more lah, because I want more. Ma. I, I remember how I learned to work as much as I can, get as much as I can, save as much as I can, keep it in the can and sit on the can. Yes, we sit after a few years. In fact, after two, three years, we save up almost 100,000 ringgit, I think. And we put it in the share market, 1998 and 1997, around that time. Those of you who know about share market, uh, it went poof. And then my, my, all my money, I thought I save it in the can and I can sit in the can and I can invest it and multiply. No, it went off. But anyway, to cut the story short, I learned something along the way. Can you show the next verse? for all of us to read together. Can, can we read this together? Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Okay, I memorized it in another version, but this is King James Version. Say, thanks be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm. So I'm going to do a bit of preaching. So I learned this from a scholar, okay, someone who has studied Greek. And he taught that in Greek, there is this verb, uh, there is this tense called aorist tense. Okay, in English, you have past tense, present tense, uh, past, you know, and all this present tense. I'm not a very good English student, so you know, my wife is better. But... In Greek, they say there's this aorist tense. I haven't heard before, so I was very interested. And then they say, uh, this tense is a verb, means it's an action. And this verb, this action only happens one time. Just like Jesus died, that is an aorist tense. One time only. Blessed is also this same verb. One time, as action done one time, and after that, no more. That means in this verse, what is actually saying that all of you are blessed one point of time in the history of mankind. All the blessing you need is already done deal. Okay? Now, when was this time? Actually, the Bible says, if you read in Galatians, Jesus was hung on the tree. Say, all who are hung on the tree are cursed. And I take that as Jesus took all our curses at that point of time in history. And he gave us all the blessing that he brought with him from heaven. And he gave it to you at that point of time. So all of you are blessed. All of you are blessed. Do you believe it? Really? Really? Now, actually, I didn't believe it 
until later point of mean one point of the time. And you know, it was during my rich time. And I tell you, when we were rich, in a sense, we had much, much more than we were when we were a full-time worker. We had more problem actually because of money. That's why they say money is the root of evil. Money can give us a lot of problem. When we have money, we quarrel about how to spend, how to save, how to invest. I say I want to put in the stock market because I'm a gambler. You say no, cannot. We must save. But I don't know what. Why save? You know, put there, multiply, so can have more. But anyway, that story aside. But the point is that when we were having more, we have more problem. We we don't. I I don't. I don't pray like God. I trust you. I need to trust you more. No, I don't turn to God and say, God, you need to be my helper. No, I forgot about all those things. Because I need. I, I thought that I need to work hard so I can, you know, have more. And, and, and when I give, I give it the idea that I give so that I can get more. I can get more blessing maybe. God will bless me more. So that was how I thought. And I, I know, now I know that all these are wrong thinking. Until I discover that actually God's heart at one point in time of history have already blessed me through Jesus Christ. And I don't see my blessing. I don't see Jesus as my blessing. As, you know, I, do, I didn't see the amazing grace and love of God. Actually, when you see it, it when, when it amazes you, then giving to God is very easy. Okay, I discovered that much later. I want to tell you a story from Luke chapter 10. One day, a lawyer, a lawyer in that, in that context is the expert in the law, okay, law of Moses, came and asked Jesus. And he asked Jesus, what shall I do or what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus tell him the story of the Good Samaritan. But before that, Jesus asked him, okay, I think I asked you, I think you know. So what is it written in your law or in the law? And then he said, love the Lord your God with all your Hey, come on, uh. love your Lord, your God, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, something like that. Uh. And love your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus said, right, you are right. Do this and you will live. Now, I believe the teacher of the law knows that he can't do this because the law is very difficult to, no one is perfect, right, except God. So he knows he cannot. So he wants to justify himself, according to the Bible in Luke. He wants to justify himself. And so he says, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells him the Good Samaritan story. He says, one day, a man from Jerusalem went down on the road to Jericho. And know what happened? He was robbed and lived to die by the side. Okay, the devil come to steal, kill, and destroy. So if you look at the world, all of us are robbed and we were dying by the side. We are... Anyway, so then the story continues. A priest came from Jerusalem going down to Jericho. Now, you know the priest, if he go to Jerusalem, means he has duty to perform as a priest. So before he perform his duty, he has to keep himself holy and clean. So he cannot do anything. But now... After finishing his duty, he probably leave Jerusalem and go back home. And his home is the sin city called Jericho. Jerusalem is the holy city. Jericho is so-called the sin city. Eh? And then he saw the man. You know what he did? He walked to the side. Now, I want to tell you that the priest actually is a type. Jesus didn't 
bring out the priest and say he's a priest for no reason. Jesus wants to point it to us, point it to the lawyer. See, the priest, he represents the law. He represents religion. And Jesus wants to tell us and tell the lawyer, religion and the law cannot save you, cannot help you. Why? Because you cannot meet the requirement of the law. So anyway, next come the Levites. Okay, if I, you know, if I want to give a type to the Levite, I see the Levite as a prophet. The prophet is an oracle who, who brings oracle to, you know, from God to man. He speaks on behalf of God to man. So he only tell you what you need to do and what promises God wants you to have. Anyway, the, the Levite saw and looked at the man and then he, maybe he told the man something uh, like any prophet would. Ayah, sorry lah, but I cannot help you. Then he walked off. A certain man, okay, a certain Samaritan came along. And a certain Samaritan saw. And he had compassion. Now, that is the story of the good Samaritan. Okay. Uh, actually, can you put on, uh, did, did I put the Samaritan slides up? Uh? Never mind. Okay, so the Samaritan came and he saw and he had compassion and he came down from his donkey, an animal he was riding on and he went, he bound his wound, he poured oil and wine. I mean, when you read oil and wine, it's always uh, a type, a shadow of the Holy Spirit. Okay, uh, he poured oil and wine on the man and then he put the man on his donkey and took him to an inn. I would say the inn typifies the church, yeah? a place where the man can be healed. So the church is a hospital, someone say, where people come and they get healing yeah? by the word of God, by the washing of the word, by the gospel of Jesus. And then, you know what? He took care of the man there, and then the next day, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. I would say the innkeeper you know, are the leaders of the church and say, take care of this man. And when I come back, I will repay you whatever that, I, that is owing. Now, it's interesting, the two denarii, if you want to ask me, it's interesting. Uh, the two, one, one denarii is equivalent to one day wages. Two denarii is two days wages. Okay? Now, if it's two days wages, means, uh, you know, he most likely will come back the third day lah. Uh, reasonable or not, makes sense or not. Now, so then, what does this two denarii typifies? Okay, I just make a quick comment. The Bible says one day is equivalent to one thousand years. So, if this two denarii, why, why, why Jesus mentioned two denarii, two days wages, just enough to take care of the church for two days, two thousand years, because. Maybe, I'm, I'm not the prophet, the soothsayer say, Jesus will come back the third thousand years. We are into the three thousand years. So, the coming of the Lord is very near. So, if you are still sitting in your can, I, uh, you have no chance to spend it. <laughs> so, better use it, let it go, and let whatever resources you have go, and reach someone with the gospel. Better, right or not? Be a good steward of your can. Uh, whatever, Coca-Cola, Pepsi-Cola, whatever. Open it up and let it poof, come up, you know, and let it be enjoyed by those who need it. 
especially those who haven't heard the gospel. Now, so if you ask me, who is my neighbor? Obviously, same thing, Jesus asked the lawyer, who is the neighbor? He said, the man that showed mercy. I think he missed out something. That man that showed grace and love and mercy. Love, if I want to explain love, got two words. Love is grace and mercy. Grace is to give to you what you don't deserve. Mercy is to don't give to you what you deserve. The priest and the we I say, you deserve it. Why you, I don't know, whatever. Why you do this? Why you do that? You know, you deserve to be punished because all of you have sinned. All of you have sinned and deserve to die. But the wages of, you know, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift, the free grace, amazing love of God is eternal life. So Jesus showed eternal life. I mean, Jesus showed grace to us. Jesus is the good Samaritan. He saw us. He loved us. He came down for us. He healed us. And He brought us to a church, a good church to be taken good care of, to be healed. So that you, now, if you see that you are so loved, then you can answer the question Jesus posed to the lawyer. Go and do likewise. I don't think the lawyer can go and do the same because he has not experienced it. Only the man who was robbed and lying down dying can do the same because those who have received, those who have received love can give love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. You can love. You love. You know why? Because God first loved you. Jesus Christ says, a new commandment I give you, love one another. But you can only love one another when you experience how much He loves you. So this is what Jesus said, as I love you. When you receive the love God gave to you, then you can love one another. If you're finding struggling, difficulty loving others, I think you need to hear the gospel more. You need to see yourself as a dying man and see Jesus the, as the good Samaritan. Then you can love. That's why we sing Amazing Grace. You know, and, 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 and I don't know, when you sing Amazing Grace, if you don't see yourself as the wretched that was saved, you can never really sing it with joy and tears. Each time when I sing and I think of myself, how I was dying and losing myself, even as a Christian, you know, when I was thinking about money, making money, I just say, amazing grace. God, you just show me grace. Even though when I was walking away, you brought me back. Now, I want to show, tell you two more stories to end very quickly. Now, another story in Luke chapter 18, uh, a rich young man came to Jesus and asked the same question. What must I do? to inherit eternal life. And then Jesus say, okay, honor your mother, honor your father, you know, your parents, don't steal, don't kill. No, he, he gave the law, the second part of the law. And then this young man say, all this I've done. Jesus say, very good. One thing lacking. Go and sell everything and give to the poor. The young man walked away very sadly. This young man think he can be religious and inherit eternal life. Jesus say, no, sell everything. You think you can do? You think you can love God with all your heart? He loved money like me. 
Maybe he loved more than me. At least I know how to you know, repent, change my way of thinking. But this man, he cannot give up his money. He didn't even give one cent to the poor. So when you think that you, you can do, you, you can be religious and do, you can't. The law is too demanding. Now I tell you the next story of a man called Zacchaeus. You know the story very well, right? And this man, he is rich because he's a tax collector. Tax collector make a lot of money because he get a share of whatever tax he imposed on the people on behalf of the Romans. So he want to see Jesus, I believe, because with all his money, he's still not happy. He's still not content, okay? Because with all the money, he couldn't buy him the happiness he's looking for. So he heard about Jesus. He want to see Jesus. So he went to see, but people don't let him see. So he climbed up to a tree. And he climbed up onto the tree. He thought he want to look out for Jesus, going to pass that way. And to his surprise, Jesus walked up to the tree and said, Hey, Zacchaeus, you come down. Today, I'm going to your house. What basically Jesus is saying is that, Hey, Zacchaeus, you come down. Today, I want to show you how much God loves you, how much I love you. I accept you. People reject you because you are a sinner. I accept you. People don't understand you, I understand you. People don't receive you, I receive you. People don't love you, I love you. I'm going to your house. Jesus went to the house, something strange happened. Zacchaeus stand up and say, Hey, I'm going to give payback four times. So Zacchaeus told Jesus, I'm going to pay back four times all those I have cheated. That's not all. So that's a sign of repentance, right? He know that he is wrong. He had been cheating. So he said, I will pay back four times. And then he said, I'm going to give half of my, what I have to the poor. Did Jesus ask Zacchaeus to do anything at all? Did Zacchaeus say, Lord, I'm going to do like the rich young ruler? No. It was love that changed Zacchaeus. It was Zacchaeus who have realized that, wow, I'm so blessed by God's love. I'm so blessed by God's grace. So what is all this, man? I'm going to not cheat people anymore. And not only that, those I cheat, I'm going to make right. And more than that, I'm going to use what I have to bless people. And, and this is what Jesus said about Zacchaeus. Said, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. You know why Jesus mentioned a son of Abraham? Because Jesus know that Abraham, when God called him out, Abraham is not a good man, okay? But God called him out because he believed God. God told Abraham, because you believe, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. So like Abraham, if you have believed in Jesus, if you have received Jesus and believed in Jesus, God says, I've already blessed you. I've already blessed you. I've already blessed you. Not just bless you. You know, just now in Psalm 103, that all your sins are forgiven and all your sickness and diseases are healed. And it's true. And more than that, do you know, not only 
bless you with cleansing of sin, clean, healing of your diseases, and many of us think that, oh, next time you go to heaven. No, it's now starting, I believe. It's just that you haven't, you know, you don't know your blessings is there. Uh, you, you haven't received it. But more than that, it's also literally financial resources. Look at the last verse I want to share with you. Can, can you read this together? Say, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Now, if you read this literally, I do read this literally, I read it that, yes, Jesus literally became poor. Why? According to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, so that you can be literally rich. Now, if you read the rest of the chapter, it's for a purpose. Not that you are rich so that you can sit on the can and enjoy the can, open up and peep at it and see how much you have in your bank account. No, you are blessed to be rich because Jesus was cursed to be poor because so that you can, you read in context, you can be abounding in grace and of giving to the poor and needy to those who are in need in mission. That's the purpose. Zacchaeus experienced amazing grace and blessing of God so that he knows that he is blessed and he can be a blessing. And I pray this morning, each one of you can see how blessed you are because of that good Samaritan. Whatever you do, he will come back and repay you. Not just enough, but much more than what you have spent. But nothing you spend is yours anyway because everything belongs to God. So as a good steward, let's use our resources to be a blessing to many. Let's use what we have to be a blessing to many. Be a good steward. God bless you.